0: Please turn in your Bibles this morning to Luke chapter 13 and verse 3. Luke 13 and verse 3. The title of today's message, Motives to Repentance. Motives to Repentance. Luke 13 and verse 3. These are the words <clears throat> of the Lord Jesus I tell you nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Biblical repentance involves four things. First of all, a godly sorrow for sin, because sin is against God. Secondly, biblical repentance involves a turning from sin and from self, and a turning instead to Christ as Lord of one's life. Thirdly, biblical repentance involves a radical change of mind, which causes one to love what he once hated, that is God and Christ and spiritual things, and to hate what he once loved, sin and self, And the things of this world. Fourthly. Biblical repentance involves. A crying out to God for mercy. Through Jesus Christ. And his righteousness. God works in repentance. As in all things. Through means. You know we are means Baptist. Some of us are mean Baptists. But we are means Baptist. That means we believe that God is sovereign. He is in control. He predestinates all things that come to pass. And yet he does these things through means. God accomplishes his predestinated ends. Through the use of his predestinated means. Because man is a rational accountable moral creature, his actions are influenced by motives. The Holy Spirit works repentance by enabling dead sinners to see and feel certain motivations to repentance. God's Word presents many motives for sinners to repent of their sins. There is no need to look outside of God's word for motives to repentance. Because God's word is full of motives that should stir the heart and influence the will and excite action to repentance. In the message this morning, I want to suggest eight great biblical motives for sinners to repent of their sins and to do so today. Now this certainly is not an exhaustive list. Uh, These are chosen simply because they may be some of the strongest motives for lost sinners to turn in godly sorrow from their sins and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ without delay. The first great motivation for sinners to repent is the fact that God commands all men to repent. The fact that God commands it is a good enough reason to do anything. The great Creator, Sovereign of this universe commands all men everywhere to repent. I want you to look with me at Acts chapter 17 and verse 30. Acts chapter 17 and verse 30. This is the Apostle Paul uh, preaching at Athens. Acts 17:30. And the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Repentance is not an optional privilege. It is a God-given duty. All men are obligated to repent. But God doesn't stop with His command to repent. He gives other strong motives as well. A second motive that should incite repentance in a sinner is the fact that repentance is the indispensable condition... For forgiveness of sin. It's the indispensable condition. Of forgiveness of sin. In the scriptures. Repentance is connected to remission. And forgiveness of sin. For example turn to Acts 2. And verse 38. We often read of the forgiveness of sin. And remission of sin. And repentance uh, together. Together. In the scriptures, Acts 2 38. Here the scripture says, <clears throat> Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. You see how repentance and remission of sin go together there. Now look at Mark 1 4. Mark chapter 1 and verse 4. John did baptize in the wilderness and preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sin. There again we see the two things come together in the scriptures. Next look at Isaiah 55. And verse 7. Isaiah 55 and verse 7. Isaiah 55 7 says, Let the wicked forsake his way. That's part of repentance that we looked at a while ago. And the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord. That's the turning of repentance and he will have mercy upon him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. There is forgiveness of sins, remission of sins. God in his word promises to blot out the sins of those who repent. Turn with me to Acts 3.19. Acts chapter 3 and verse 19, a blessed promise in God's word. the promise of god to blot out the sins of those who repent repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the lord next turn to isaiah 44:22 isaiah chapter 44 verse 22 Here God is speaking and He says, I have blotted out as a thick cloud thy transgressions and as a cloud thy sins. Return unto me. Repent, for I have redeemed thee. Repentance is an absolute requirement to God's blotting out of sin. God cannot forgive sin the unrepentant sinner. Without repentance, nothing will help us gain God's forgiveness. B.H. Carroll said, every gate of hope for pardon is shut except the one approached by repentance. A third motive to repent is the fact that there are dire warnings and threats in Scripture to those who do not repent. The Holy God has an absolute intolerance of sin. And He gives dire warnings and threats to those who refuse to turn from their sins. According to the Lord Jesus Christ in our text in Luke thirteen three, the only alternative... To repentance is perishing. Let's read our text again here. I tell you nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. You shall perish in the torments of hell, is his meaning. God threatens eternal hell to all who remain unrepentant. He threatens eternal torment. In the lake of fire Where their worm dieth not And where there is blackness of darkness forever God in his word clearly warns That all who persist in their sins Shall suffer eternally in the lake of fire And so sinner friend here today Reflect on your sins Their number Their ill deserving from God And the great danger in which they have placed you The danger of spending a hopeless eternity in the thirst and flames and suffering and pain and remorse and regret of hell. A fourth biblical motive to repentance is the fact that repentance is the purpose of the providence that God sends. Repentance is the purpose of the providence that God sends. This is true of both good providences and bad providences. Romans 2 4 says that the goodness of God in his providence should lead sinners to repentance. Let's turn to Romans 2 4. Romans chapter 2 and verse 4. Paul the Apostle is speaking. Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? Every time God does something good for us, it ought to lead us to repent. God's afflictive providences, the bad things in life, are also intended to produce repentance. God brought the wicked king Manasseh low by sending him captive to Babylon. And he humbled him greatly in this. You know, I I don't know if you're familiar with Manasseh in the Old Testament. Probably the wickedest man who ever lived. He killed babies by the hundreds of thousands, offering them in sacrifice to Molech. He followed witchcraft. He did everything against God that you could think as a human being. God brought him low, sent him captive to Babylon, and humbled him greatly. But then <coughs> Manasseh knew that the Lord was God, and he repented of his great sins. Look at Second Chronicles 33, 12 and 13. Second Chronicles 33, verses 12 and 13. Manasseh's repentance. And when he was in affliction, he besought the Lord his God, and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers, and prayed unto him, and he was entreated of him, And heard his supplication and brought him again to Jerusalem uh, into his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord, he was God. We may be sick in body or we may lose our jobs. God intends for such things to awaken us out of our sins and to produce repentance in us. We need to always look at every area of life with this in mind. The next great biblical motivation for sinners to repent is the fact that judgment day is coming. Judgment day is coming. The word of God clearly teaches that the Lord Jesus Christ will one day return to this earth and call sinners to account for their evil deeds. You know, we look at the wicked all around us and we get down and get depressed. And they may go through life, live and die, and not answer in this life. But they're going to answer. They're going to stand before the judgment. And God then, the Lord Jesus, will cast them into eternal hell as punishment. Turn to Acts 17 again and we'll read verses 30 and 31. Acts seventeen, <clears throat> verses thirty and thirty-one. And the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent, because He hath appointed a day in the which He will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, in that he hath raised him from the dead. Now did you notice, he said repent because, that's the motivation, God has appointed a judgment day. The assurance of this coming judgment day, is Christ's resurrection from the dead. Look again at verse 31. Because he hath appointed a day, in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, in that he hath raised him from the dead. In scriptures like 2 Thessalonians 1, 7 through 9, and Jude 14 and 15, we are shown the judge coming in flaming fire with the angels, To bring this judgment. Turn to Second Thessalonians 1, 7 through 9. Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 7 through 9. Again, Paul the Apostle is writing. And to you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord, and from the glory of his power. Now look at Jude 14 and 15. Next to the last book in the Bible, Jude, verses 14 and 15. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have ungodly committed, and of all their hard speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. The day of judgment is coming, my friends, and it cannot be stopped. What chills that day of judgment should send down the spines of sinners? Listen, you're going to answer to God for what you did last night. What a terrible, awful day that will be when Jesus Christ the judge calls on you to answer the charges against you. What will you do when God brings all your sins out into the open for all to see? How will you defend yourself? For all your cursing, and lying, and adultery, and Sabbath breaking, and theft, and hatred, and envy, and jealousy, and gambling, and unbelief. What will you do when the Lord Jesus says to you, depart from me into everlasting fire? If judgment day is coming. How it should motivate you to repent, my friend. Will you go on sinning when you know that the judgment day is coming? The great white throne is a great motive to repent of one's sin. Certainly, that heart is dead that receives no motivation to repent from the certainty of the coming judgment day. A sixth great biblical motivation for sinners to repent is the fact that God allots a specific time period for each sinner to repent. God graciously allows sinners time to repent before giving them their deserved punishment. 1 Peter three nineteen and 20 says that God gave those who lived before the flood the time to repent while the ark was being prepared. During this time, Christ, through the Holy Spirit, and through Noah, preached the gospel to these people. Turn to 1 Peter three nineteen and 20. <clears throat> 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 19 and 20. right toward the end of the New Testament, <clears throat> by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison. That's talking about Christ. And he threw, th- uh, he preached through the Holy Spirit, and through Noah, to those who are now in hell, which sometime were disobedient, when once, The long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water. Now, turn to Genesis chapter 6 and verse 3, because this verse of Scripture tells us that this period of time, while the long-suffering of God waited, was one hundred and twenty years. Genesis 6.3 <clears throat> And the Lord said. My spirit shall not always strive with man. For that he also is flesh. Yet his days. That is the days of mankind. Shall be an hundred and twenty years. That is the days man had left before the flood. His days shall be hundred and twenty years. 2 Peter 2:5 says that this time was finally over and God sent the flood. Turn to 2 Peter 2:5. 2, <clears throat> 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 5. And spared not the old world but saved Noah the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. God gave those people in His great grace a hundred and twenty years to repent. And they didn't do it. And judgment came. God gave the people of Nineveh forty days to repent, according to Jonah 3.4. Look at that scripture. Jonah chapter 3 and verse 4. Jonah 3.4 And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey. And he cried and said, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. But you know what? They did repent. And God spared Nineveh for many more years after that. Turn to Daniel 4.29 Daniel chapter 4. Verse 29. These verses I'm going to read say that God gave the proud king Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon twelve months to repent. And then he sent the judgment of insanity upon him. Daniel 4.29 first of all. 4.29 At the end of twelve months... He walked in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. Now verse 33. The same hour was the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar. And he was driven from men and did eat grass as oxen. And his body was wet with the dew of heaven. Till his hairs were grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. One more example. Turn to Revelation 2.21. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 21. Here the, the woman Jezebel had her time. This is not the Jezebel who was Ahab's wife. This was a woman in one of the churches. And God gave her her time. Here the Lord Jesus says of this woman, And I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. So God evidently allots sinners a certain specific time period in which to repent. During this time, His Spirit strives. But God does not usually tell the sinner how long this period will be. The time is not the same in every case. And we don't know how long each person has. We just know the time is according to God's good pleasure. And when this time is up. Destruction and judgment come suddenly. Turn to Proverbs 29 and verse 1. Proverbs 29 and And verse 1. The words of God Himself He that, being often reproved, hardeneth his neck, shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. And it was like that in the days of Noah. They were eating and drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage when the flood came and swept them suddenly and unforgiven into eternity. In Luke 13, the Lord Jesus tells us of two disasters in Israel in his day. In one case, in verse 4, he speaks of some people upon whom a great stone tower suddenly collapsed and killed them all. Some of them were probably just standing around. Others may have been walking by. But all of a sudden this tower gave way and fell on them, smashed them, killed them all. Look at verse 4. Those 18 upon whom the tower of Siloam fell and slew them, think ye that they were sinners above all men that dwelt in Jerusalem? Now verse 5. I tell you nay, but except ye repent ye shall all likewise perish. Perish here means die and go to hell. Likewise means just like it happened to them. Suddenly, unexpectedly, these were sudden, unexpected disasters, and the perishing of the unrepentant will be the same. This motive gets its power from the fact that we cannot increase the time that God in His sovereignty has given us to repent. Now, verse 1 of this same text tells of the other disaster. tells of Pilate uh, coming evidently into the temple and killing a bunch of worshipers, slaughtering them. He mingled their blood with their sacrifice. And after telling about that, the Lord goes on to... Uh, to speak our text in verse 3 I tell you nay but except ye repent ye shall all likewise perish a seventh and extremely important great biblical motive for sinners to repent is the price Jesus Christ paid to redeem sinners the price that he paid was his own precious blood shed on Calvary's cross and his death for our sins. This was no common death. This was no ordinary crime. He who was crucified that day was God himself. It was he whom without was not anything made that was made. John 1.3 is talking about Christ And it says all things were made by Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. It was God who took our nature on Himself and became a man like us. He was the God-man. When He became a man, He was obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Think about the sufferings Of that one who was crucified. His was a life of poverty. And persecution. And sorrow. In Gethsemane. He sweat great drops of blood. And then he was deserted and denied. And betrayed by his friends. He suffered beating and spitting and mocking. His hands and feet were pierced with nails. A spear was thrust into his side. He suffered all the pain and anguish of eternal hell, which his people deserved. It was he who was sinless, who died in the place of sinners. Daniel 9.26 describes this as the Messiah being cut off, but not for himself. It was our sins that killed the Savior. He was made a curse for us. He bare our sins. Look at 1 Peter 2:24 here. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. It's speaking of the Lord Jesus, who his own self bare our sins, In his own body on the tree. That we being dead to sins. Should live unto righteousness. By whose stripes. Ye were healed. Now look at Isaiah 53 and verse 5. Isaiah 53 and verse 5. This too is speaking of Christ. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him. And with His stripes we are healed. One of the Puritans said this of Christ, We tasted the apple and He tasted the vinegar and gall. Because God is a God of justice, this price had to be paid for our sins. This is the only way God's justice could have been satisfied and honored, and at the same time, we could be acquitted of our guilt. The gospel is that Jesus Christ suffered and died in the place of sinners. Shall we not be sorry for those sins that made Christ a man of sorrows? Sorry enough to turn from them for good and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for forgiveness? How can you hear this and think this and consider this and remain unmoved to repent? Sinner friend here today, look much at Christ on the cross look until your own heart is pierced the more one looks at christ crucified the more he will mourn for his sin it is the crucified savior who says in isaiah 45:22 look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth for i am god and there is none else the final great biblical motive to repent that we should consider in this message is the great blessings that follow repentance. The great blessings that follow repentance. Now I'll mention just three here. We could go on all day. The first is mercy. Repentance brings mercy from God. Have you ever had an attack of conscience and you knew that you had sinned against God and you knew that you were going to die and go to hell. You knew there was nothing you could do about it. Well, listen, the good news of the gospel is that God has mercy on all who repent. God will have mercy on those scarlet sins in your life. Adultery, theft, lying. Murder, rebellion, drunkenness, witchcraft, idolatry, all or any of those if you repent. The second blessing, not to be separated from the first to those who repent, is pardon for sin. Mary Magdalene was evidently a great sinner. But she obtained pardon from Christ when she repented of her sin. Some of the Jews involved in actually crucifying Christ, the worst crime of all mankind, of all history. Some of those Jews who crucified Him, when they repented, received forgiveness and salvation. You can read about that in the first chapter of Acts, and the second chapter of Acts. Think about it. He forgave those murderers who repented. God's promise in Isaiah 118 is proven to be true when a sinner repents. Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Listen to that sinner. That's a promise to you today. A third blessing. That follows repentance is everlasting life. Turn to Acts 11 and verse 18. Acts chapter 11 and verse 18 calls this repentance repentance unto life. When they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, Then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. This life is spiritual life now and life in heaven for all eternity. The blessing of everlasting life in heaven is so great that if we could have just a glimpse of that blessing right now, We would need great patience to be content to live here any longer. In conclusion, how all these things should motivate you, lost sinner, to repent of your sin today. These eight biblical motives together, or even just one of them, should stir and incite your soul... To repent today. In Luke 5.32. The Lord Jesus says. He came to call sinners to repentance. That's why he came into this world. To call sinners. All sinners. Rich sinners. Poor sinners. Young sinners. Old sinners. Notorious sinners. Religious sinners. Christ came to call sinners repentance. Won't you repent of your sins today and be saved without repentance? You are lost forever. Let us pray. Our Father, we're grateful for this great blessing of repentance. We pray for any lost sinner that may be here today that you would work regeneration in his or her heart enabling them to turn from their sins in godly sorrow and turn to Christ as Lord and Savior of their lives. We pray that Christ would be glorified through this message today, and it's in Jesus Christ's holy name that we pray. Amen.